Welcome to Lost Link, the podcast with Muff Barber and Yogi Nickerson, where CL data is disabled and no topic is off limits about unmanned aircraft or the United States Air Force. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the participants and do not represent the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other federal agency. This podcast contains some profane language and is not suitable for all audiences. reading uh t-minus ai mm, nice it's a it's a good book i mean it kind of it really does talk about like it's mostly just a history of development of technology yeah. to to where it is today and then where it's going tomorrow uh the author does start out in the very beginning is trying to say like i'm not writing this to scare you into like what ai is going to do but just to open your mind to like the possibilities of what ai yeah. can do for us now it's not scary it's beneficial um because i know you know most people think ai and they immediately think of like terminator right, and, right. so uh but yeah it's i'm i'm i think i'm about halfway through it now and i've enjoyed reading it the author's really good at writing it out or kind of uh telling the story of software engineering of computer engineering and how we came to where we are today yeah. and stuff like that so so well, it's good. There's uh, clearly a, I don't know, it's the, it's the hotness. It's oh, yeah. Particularly the military hotness. And, Absolutely. Uh, I think most of the colonels and generals are like, I, I don't know, sprinkle some AI on that thing and let's yeah. let's get it going. Make it magic, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, with no real understanding because they've spent the last 30 years doing airplane stuff. Yeah, being right? the computer, if you yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, and there's, I'm, I'm sure... <laughs> They're all reasonably intelligent, competent individuals that understand it to some degree, but there's right. a, it's not like a deep degree, you know? Yeah, I mean? so exactly. Maybe I can go, go to the academy. Apparently you can make colonel without being a squadron commander. A lot of people do it. Interesting. Or a number of people do it. And then, uh, did not realize that promote well, there, take my AI business and, uh, go to the Pentagon and bebop around up there. Who knows what's yeah. going to happen in seven years? From yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> uh, although in that case, it might be six or something like that. But anyway, yeah. Uh, cool. So that was that was fun. I walked out of here yesterday like, fuck yeah, crushed. It. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I went back to work and had like forty five emails and was like, oh, right. All right, I have to get back to work. I've been gone for two hours. That's right, I'm supposed to actually work here. Uh, yeah, I have a. Uh, I've been currently, well, I guess that'll kind of be a topic for as we get into things a little more here, but um, currently working as the squadron's ADO and also the squadron's chief of DOW because we don't have enough people really that have the expertise um, that they think I have. Um, So, yeah, managing. Perception is reality. Yeah. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I just end up with an endless 
amount of emails yeah. constantly coming in you know you'll check your email like all right cool i'm caught up i only got like two left i'll get to those later you come yeah. back how are 20 more emails here yeah, like what could this possibly be about <laughs> like, <laughs> it was quite quite the experience uh yeah. active duty so, uh yeah well the more i hear about it the more it sounds like the guard is fun so yeah sweet uh we will uh kick it off with my pseudo somewhat standard i'm like 16 episodes into this thing and i haven't really like nailed down <laughs> the, the intro, the, the intro like, yeah that transition into uh, uh discussion stuff but um all right mcfly it's uh looks like you and i are lost link you and i know each other from what 2016 when you got to yeah, here. I think I got it in a twenty end of twenty fifteen, but yeah, rolled into twenty sixteen when you were really uh at uh so here at Holloman you were uh coming down for becoming an instructor at the Ninth Attack Squadron. Yep. I happen to be the uh, uh fight flight commander, uh kind of running running that show and coordinating all that stuff with scheduling. That's how we met. You're now with the Michigan Guard. How about the rest of your active duty backstory first? Absolutely. So ROTC grant uh came in off the ROTC scholarship from um, where out of St. Louis University with an aerospace engineering degree. Nice. Um, yeah, paid a lot of money, worked real hard, and uh, did the same thing as you know anyone that could have gotten a poli sci or yeah, got their English degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I read books for college. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a uh, money well spent, if you will. But I did enjoy my time there. I really, really enjoyed the engineering world so uh, i enjoyed that and then getting into active duty uh originally was selected as an alternate for a pilot slot um and within a week or so of hearing about being an alternate i was asked if i wanted to take a pilot slot um and that was about the same time i was learning all about the <laughs> The RPA world and the 18X was probably only one year in at this point uh, as an as an AFSC, and I was like, "That sounds super cool. I'll give that a shot." Um, so I did. Uh, I turned down the pilot slot and I said, "I'm just going to do this 18X thing," and I went straight to uh, Randolph. What, what year was that? That would have been. Uh, let's see. I was selected for it in 2011. And then 2012, my commissioning took place, and I yeah. started the summer of 2012 on active duty. Yeah, that one year thing would have been about right. Yeah, in 2010 I, they were wrapping up like their third beta class. Beta class, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, <clears throat> relatively new. Uh, I was yeah following some of the beta class guys down into uh, Randolph, where I uh, we did our standard training for MQ9 spin up, if you will, a little RQ, little DOS stuff, and then. Uh, the RFC class, which, um, yeah. Did you get a drop or did we you did. already know where you were going? No, I had an idea. So we did a drop. Now my class was still, but at this time we were still not getting winged until after you went to Holloman and yeah. completed your training. So all you got at your drop was your airframe assignment, uh -huh. not where you were going. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just got an airframe assignment and then were sent to Holloman where you would later get your unit assignment um, at the formal training. And and you would also get winged here at Holloman. So I was the second to last class to do the winging here at Holloman. After that, you received your wings at the completion of, essentially at the completion of RIQ at Randolph. Um, they were trying to make uh, 
RIQ more equivalent to UPT. Yeah. Uh, where you come out with wings at the end of that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it does make sense. I can see why they would do that. Um, there's some advantages to that in some ways. Uh, in addition to that, active duty service commitments that you imposed made more sense and were comparable to that that you would see on the uh, manned uh, pilots. So I can see why they, they adjusted it. Um, but in any case, came out here as an MQ-1 drop. Um, mighty MQ-1 guy uh, came out here. Be fewer and fewer of us. Uh, yes. Mighty, mighty little airplane. It, it did its job. Can't kill it unless there's a mountain. Mountains are bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I went out here, did my, I think it was like four or five month training out here and got assigned to the 22nd where I went to the 22nd uh, Reconnaissance Squadron at the time. It was still our yeah. RS. Um at Creech, uh, PCS up there, and flew a lot. I really enjoyed my time learning how, what I imag imagined the Combat Air Force was, um, but also a lot of challenges associated with that. The unit was very, very fast paced, very undermanned, uh, and had a heavy tactical um, mission set that they were constantly- Yeah, basically flying all day, every day. And, yeah. So Going hard. We were, yeah, it was basically you'd fly a seven-hour day, uh, eight-hour shift, seven-hour day, and uh, you you would get about an hour break. Yeah. Grab some food, <laughs> hit, hit the head, grab grab some food, and then you were getting ready to get back in the seat to fly. How many MQ-9 hours do you have? Uh, I have, I think I'm at 1,800 MQ-9 hours, and I have 1,800 MQ-1 hours as well. So 3,600 hours. Yeah. Yeah, you have more hours than I do. <laughs> yeah. I have like 2,700 total. Yeah. But that's because I wasn't in that in that ops group, or that, right, what right. became that ops group, right? So Absolutely. I didn't fly many Ochos over there yeah. at the mighty 15th. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was, it, it was definitely, <laughs> across the base, you had a very wide spectrum of flying hours from people. So yeah, we were in the unit that was just getting crushed by the hours um i was a tenant i had no idea that we were getting crushed by <laughs> the hours I yeah i didn't know <laughs> i had no clue until i came down here to holloman so yeah. i was getting pretty burned out and pretty tired and i had a ton of hours and i was now dual qualled at um uh, at creech yeah. uh flying the one and the nine um i felt like the technical expert and i wanted to become an instructor but i was still only a first lieutenant and a unit of pretty senior guys um they were a lot of uh former fighter guys or heavy guys that in the manned world and they didn't think lieutenants were at the maturity level to become an instructor sure. uh so me along with uh three the would have been three other lieutenants that were up there heard about this opportunity to uh become an instructor at holloman and all of us took the opportunity oh, no up yeah, yeah. so uh, Koala, Joker, myself, yeah. uh, we all came down here. Um, there's one other one, and I'm, I'm definitely not remembering the name right now. But uh, we came down here and settled in. Um, Joker and Koala took the 29th side, and then yeah. I, I ended up on the 9th side. Uh, from there, met met Muff, settled in with the Fayute thing. I struggled quite a bit, actually. Muff and uh, Level both got me straightened out. I uh, served with the ninth for three and a half years, if I'm doing the math yeah, correctly. No um, initially, just taken up as just one of the Fayute guys, uh, just a basic instructor. They had me do an assistant flight commander gig for a hot minute, and then I took over as uh, the exec for 
year and a half, and then um, assistant chief of Stanley Val for a, for a while. And that's when you went on to. And then I decided, there, decided to go. To guard. Yeah, from there I decided the guard was the better was where I wanted to be. Do you have any like fun MQ9 stories? Blowing up some, you know, a donkey, seeing a sheep fall off a hill, watching a guy masturbate in Baghdad, something like that. Oh, okay, so we've all seen these things. I don't know if those are like the fun stories because they're just normal at this point. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, just another day watching a guy take a shit on the side of the road. Yeah. Just another day. Um, yeah, so I have, I mean, it's going, so from the MQ-9 side in the guard, uh, you're usually seen as the guys, you know, the weekend warriors who don't do the crazy stuff, yep. who don't get played. Our unit had a unique opportunity, and we it was the first time we were flying in this brand new AOR. It was the first time that um, we were being introduced to this mission set that this the MQ-9 had never really done, but always kind of talked about doing. Yeah. Um, and all on the first day, our unit went out and did this thing. So here I am. I'm showing up and teaching the unit how to fly this AOR because for whatever reason, they selected me as this, the, the SME for this. Teach everyone about it. Tell everyone like this, this AOR is going to be super chill. Nothing's going to happen. Um, and then before you know it, we're going on this crazy four ship mission on the first day of us flying the line we didn't have were you integrated into other squadrons all squadrons so it was two active duty squadrons and two guard squadrons okay all flying a different airplane all flying different airframe in this in this stack right so huge collaboration and the guard you know you got two you got just as many active duty as you have guard guys and um we kicked ass on it and it was like this awesome time of me realizing that yeah okay so the guards the the weekend warriors but we're just as proficient and effective as the other guys in fact where do you get your guard guys from the right majority will come from active duty yeah um the off the street guys that yeah might be a little and and rusty yeah and we can get into that too a little bit about like what you know what what the culmination of the guard is and how effective they can be or ineffective they can be um, but yeah, so it, it was just this amazing culmination of me realizing that, dude, I can still do wicked cool missions in the guard. Mm-hmm. I can still have a blast doing it. Um, and that, uh, the MQ nine is, well, it's a, it's a cool plane still. It still yeah. has a fight, um, despite the changing of times. Yeah. So, so awesome. The guard is still capable uh, despite the the misperceptions, like correct. My, my favorite joke about the guard is that they show up to work in their BDU shorts. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, it's Hawaiian, hot outside. <laughs> in a Hawaiian shirt, and you're like, all right, let's do this thing. Um, you're not completely wrong. <laughs> well, well, there's well, there's definitely some misperceptions. Uh, yeah. about them, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so going into the guard side, I decided the guard was for me. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to be closer to my family. So I did end up uh, getting divorced while on active duty. Uh, sure, we could account that to the fact that I worked my ass off. A lot of it also could just be that I didn't do a great job in the relationship. There were a lot yep. of errors. But in any case, it didn't go well. But I had a daughter. I wanted to be as close as I could to be her in her life as much as possible. And my ex-wife lived in um, Michigan. So the Michigan Guard seemed like a good place to go. I had a great opportunity um, 
presented to me by um, Level. Uh, uh-huh. Lighty had knew most of the guys out there um, and was also taking up a position there. So just, they, they were a lot of uh, Ellsworth guys. Exactly. Right? So okay. a lot of the units, uh, most of the Michigan Guard, when it started, ended up at uh, Ellsworth to mm-hmm. gil- to build ours. And their combat line was essentially replacing the one of the Ellsworth lines. Gotcha. Uh, that's the understanding I was given. So many of those guys flew with um, Ellsworth guys, got to know them great. They were kind of pulled over there as soon as they could uh, get to the Michigan side. Yeah. Many of them did, to include Level. Uh, so Level went over there, went, got in good with those guys, and uh, asked them to pick me up as well, and they did. Uh, so the risky part of the guard initially, and what a lot of people get worried about, <clears throat> is the am i gonna have a full-time job the whole idea behind like okay coming from active duty and i want to be on the active duty side but i'd like to be in the guard because of whatever reasons so uh there's always like the golden ticket it always seems to be like active guard reserve i'm gonna go active you want to get your agr right (laughs) if you're if you want to be the active duty guy but in the guard the agr is the way to be uh but yeah, no guardian, very, very few guardians are just going to pick you up and say, you're an AGR now. Yeah. And they didn't do that with me either, despite having, you know, I do have a lot of hours, got a lot of instructor time, um, and, and definitely brought in a huge breadth of experience to the unit. Yeah. Uh, they still only put me on uh, essentially 185 days of um, orders, mil- MPA days. And... All I did was fly the combat line, show them that I was pretty decent at this stuff, and uh, instructed. And then uh, within three months, they asked me if, uh, uh, three to four months, they asked me if I wanted to be an AGR. And I went through the interview, interview process uh, and becoming an, became an AGR with the unit. From who, there. who asks you if you want to do that? Is that the unit commander? Or? A little bit of both. Um, you, just like on active duty, right? You. State your intentions with the commander and your direct supervisor. Hey, I want to be an AGR. I want to be here full time. Uh, you know, as you should for any job, just make sure that your supervisor knows your intentions. Uh, so I did that. I voiced that to him and they said, okay, well, uh, as soon as something opens up, I'll let you know. We'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, within a few months, uh, one opened up and I was asked to join it. And uh, so I jumped in on this board where I uh, basically interviewed, you do a, it's like interviewing for a completely new job. You have to do a resume, you have to fill out this application, you have to do a interviewed with a board of minimum of three, usually I think it's four, um, one officer as your peer, a senior officer from the unit, two, potentially two officers from the unit, and then an, uh, a senior officer from another unit. Uh, so you do that interview. One, uh, I think there were three other officers that interviewed with me. Um, I didn't actually get the first AGR board. Um, uh, they were looking for a younger officer, uh, and I was more of the senior officer, so I didn't really fit the bill. They said I interviewed well, but it didn't matter. That's not really was what the senior captain for. time frame or yeah, I was a major. I was a mid-level captain at this point. I guess you could consider it a senior captain sat in the position for a year before promoting so yeah pretty much senior captain uh and then 
from there, I uh, took a second interview like a month later at, at most, and I was selected for that board. Um, huh. Been in AGR ever since, and uh, mm-hmm. honestly never looked back. I've really enjoyed my time in the Guard, so that's kind of my career in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, so, so you joined the Michigan Guard towards the end of 2018. Um, yeah. All units are going to have like a different hiring <clears throat> process, right? Because did you ever go there and like rush the unit? Ah, yes. The rushing. Uh, yes. Every unit is essentially a fraternity. Yeah. Uh, they're all their own little fraternity. They all have their own little kind of the in crowd. And they all, unfortunately, do have their cliques. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guard is a family. Uh, every unit is its own little family. They have their way of doing things and everything like that. So you do need to fit in with that crowd. Uh, that's probably the most critical part of the guards interview process. I yeah. put that in quotes because many guard units don't actually have a formal interview where you're going to sit down and they're going to ask you a series of questions and there's a panel, a board or any of that. No, most of the guard units are going to be like, Hey man, uh, we'd love to get to know you. Me now at the bar down the street, uh, really would like it if you could show up and your interview takes place there. Um, because the guard hires guys that they know are going to be with them for the duration of their career. Right. So they're not just hiring the guy who can check all the boxes, who can you know, fix the problems in the unit. They're hiring a guy who they can deal with yeah. <laughs> for their duration of the career. Um, so you got to be, you got to fit in with the crowd. Um, and obviously, yes, they still do want someone that can check boxes. They still do want someone who can maintain that level of professionalism or, uh, be the uh, professional they need for yeah. the task, but they're not necessarily just looking for a good old boy. They're yes, exactly. They want you to be a little bit of that. Yeah, you got to <laughs> have the good old boy in you. Yeah, um, and they're gonna they're gonna spend most of their time determining that you have that. Yeah, but they're not even gonna bother with the good old boy questions if they've already seen you don't have the material they need yeah. to do the mission, if you will. Yeah. Um, so if you're getting to the point where they're asking you to come out to the bars, you're in a good spot. They're asking you to come and visit. You're in a pretty good spot because they want to know more about who you are. Yeah. Less so about what the OPR says you did or, or your EPR. And in the case of an enlisted guy that's coming into the unit. Um, so think of it that way. When you're joining the guard, you're kind of rushing the fraternity, as you yeah. said, is you're really just trying to show that, you can be in the club and um, and be one of the guys or gals. Um, that's that's really what they're focusing on. How, how does it? How do guys like get in off the street? That is that, a whole that other crazy. game. You don't have any connections. You don't have anything. Yeah. So those board interview. Uh, well, they really do call them interview boards, but again, the way that Michigan does that is they. Kind of cons- kind of turns out to be like a rush night for fraternity. Yeah, they kind of do an open invite. Um, I believe they post things on like uh, yeah, post on like a state job state board type jobs of thing. boards yeah. and things like that where people would look and apply, and then um, multiple applicants. I believe Michigan in the last one had like twenty four applicants, which is an enormous amount of of people to yeah. uh, deal with. And then they whittled it down to, I think we wrote down to maybe eight. Um, so 
like I said, we're already looking for the box checks. Um, so guys off the street, if you're looking for an off street hire, generally we're looking for someone that's got a private pilot or commercial license to show like, look, they know how aviation works. Yeah. Um, because we don't have any, we don't have that active duty background to look on and say like, okay, do they even know what an airplane is? So you have to go to that. And a lot of times you end up on the civilian rating side as an easy litmus test, if you will, to say, okay, they're not, they're not that stupid. Nelson, um, like, you run the risk of like you're not going to fly MQ9s all the time, Correct. right? Like there's Correct. a risk that you go back to another platform that exactly. requires a different qualification. Correct. And then there's going to be a whole whole other game to be played. Exactly. Yeah, um, to get get people into pilot training and all that crap. Exactly. Uh, so the state has to always kind of be ready for that. So when they're hiring guys off the street, that's a big the the big part of the interview process is just making sure the application fits checks all the boxes and then the invite comes out hey come on by we're going to meet some, do a meet and greet um and it's an open invite for those people uh as well as for the entire unit to show up to these events and meet these uh meet the members that want to be gotcha uh, do you like host that stuff on base? Uh, like uh, no, usually they're off base. Or it's like at the state uh, park nearby, that type of thing? A little bit of both. So we've done them both ways, to my knowledge. We've done them on the base, and then we've done them out and about in town, in other areas of town. Uh, Battle Creek's not a super big area, uh, so there's not a ton of options. Um, but my understanding is there's a few breweries nearby that we've hosted yeah. and had hosted where we just kind of get everyone together, have some beers, chat, talk to these guys at a – more in depth about who they are and see yeah. if they're worth the guard spending the money on, if you will. Um, and that the the off the street hires you usually get we usually pick up one to two of those a year. In my experience, we've typically picked up one to two yeah. a year, which fits for a single unit that's trying to maintain a steady growth and a steady input of. You have approximately two to three retirees a year. So if you're constantly getting two gaining into each right. unit, you're not really losing numbers. Everything's staying pretty stable. Um, that's generally the way I've seen it. Now, again, I'm not very experienced in the guard, but this is the impression that I've gained from the unit thus far. Two go out and usually two young guys have come in. Yeah. Uh, it's always been the hiring process has been like, to me, the most kind of esoteric, like, yes. how do I, how do I do this? Yeah. Do I just like call up somebody that I know and be like, Hey man, uh, I'm casually interested. Who's like, what do we do now? Uh, and then that's, yeah. that was the, yeah, I, that is the easiest way to get into a guardian is calling a guy, you know, that's it really what is. riot did, right? That's what riot did. Yeah. Uh, I, he reached out to me, asked, uh, if I was in the Michigan guard and I said, yes, I am. He's like, cool. I'm interested in being out there, and I said, cool. I'll hit. I'll hook you up with one of our hiring guys, um, and that's where we're at. So he's working through the uh, see if he fits in as one of the bros. Yeah. Um, I I know that he already fits all the professional requirements, so mm-hmm. it's really easy in that regard. Now it's just a matter of the unit saying, like, yeah, I, he he's got everything we're looking for, and he's cool to hang with. Uh, I think he'll fit in. Uh, the final unfortunate piece to the guard is the manpower days that the unit has. Okay. The guard can only get so big. Then it's either risking a 
basically it risks running out of days and dollars for the members. Mm -hmm. And if it does, then other members lose out. So they always have to make sure that the numbers stay right where they need to be. Too many people means people aren't getting days. Yeah. People aren't flying and they're losing quals, losing proficiency. Um, and then you're, you're just kind of cheating out people who wanted to be a member of the unit, but like yeah. simply cannot. So the last and final straw, if you will, to this whole <laughs> house of cards is <laughs> the days and dollars. If okay. the days and dollars aren't there, no matter how great the guy is, unfortunately, the unit just will not be able to pull that person in yeah. because they're overbooked on personnel. So what some units do, and they're, most units are pretty good about it is you hit that 20 20 ish year mark as an active duty guy and you're still serving active duty but you're not making any career progressions you're probably going to start voicing the like hey man i think it's time we move on yeah. uh so that they can allow for the unit to keep growing in that professionalism, getting those younger members in, get, get that growth. Oh, you're saying internal to the guard. They, internal to the guard. Time that they're eligible yeah, 20, to retire. Yeah, 20 like, years of active duty time. The guard is generally going to start asking somebody to get out. Move along. Move make, along. Make, yeah. make some room. Now, now, if that member is still you know contributing or progressing to be the next group or wing or move out into the, the National Guard Bureau or the State Bureau, like, then absolutely, there's no question about right. it there. But if you become stagnant at that senior ranking officer, senior in your years um, of active duty time, yeah, the guard's going to start looking at you to get out of the way yeah, so sure. that the, the young guys can show up. Um, so I've, I've definitely kind of seen that as well. A lot of guys in the guard, that's all they're working for anyways, is I'm just here for my 20, 20 years and then I'm punching out anyways. So... It usually works out, but that's a huge limiting factor is how many people you can get in okay. uh, to your unit to still allow for full-time flying and everything like that. Gotcha, because that's budgeted through the state. And the federal. Okay, so you do get federal money. They're, the federal is paying for like your MPA days. Exactly. And your, so the uh, MPA is probably the largest pot of money or federal money that the guard okay. gets, the the MQ-9 unit specifically. Okay. We get, I, I'm going to so, probably so botch this. Just to hit this, so MPA sure. is military personnel appropriation? Correct. And that's when active duty needs you to be on t Title 10 orders. Correct. Uh, to, you know, Pull triggers or do some other thing, right? Exactly. Because otherwise you're on Title 32 of the yeah, U.S. Code, right? Exactly. Okay. So otherwise you're Title 32. So going back and kind of just rehashing exactly what you just said, the federal government or the active military says, you know, we have too many mission sets or we, and we don't have enough manpower to do it. Specific for the MQ-9, we have too many combat lines that need to be flown and we don't have enough people to fly those combat lines. So here's guard unit x that flies the mq9 i'm going to activate you quote unquote give you a ton of days to fill this combat line for the next year here's you know i'll say three years worth of days yeah make people go fly and then they'll fly that's three years equates to three people flying yep. for a full year okay um to fill the combat line so most 
of the MQ9 communities in the guard have their their biggest input is from MPA days. That's their biggest financial okay. um, input. So guys that just want to fly and do nothing else in the unit can fall into a MPA gig where all they're doing, showing up, getting the combat line, calling it a day. Uh, if you continuously do that, the unit's going to start expecting more out of you because you're now basically a full-time guy okay. on part-time orders. So you're going to start, they're going to expect more out of you. Hey, you're going to probably do a shop job. You're going to um, maybe be a supervisor or a raid on somebody and, okay. and things like that. Um, but those days are title 10 days. Okay. If you're not on those days and you're still showing up to work for drills or even to just fly um, CT, so just to do some currency training in the sim or the CT training lines that we have with the other guard units, yeah. um, like North Arizona, Dakota, I think Arizona North Dakota, yeah. um, Texas, and uh, California also have... Um, they all fly locals? They fly like local sorties. Okay. Local sorties. I don't know if California... California probably does it with, with their FTU students. But in any case, um, Texas, Arizona, and North Dakota definitely have CT where you just RSO into those guys, connect to their line after they're gaining, and then you fly their CT line over the ranges throughout the United States. Interesting. Because we're trying to do that here. Yeah. But everybody here is like, oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be too confusing. Uh, um, it would, it would, uh, Magic has actually brought that up with me. Yeah. Um, the guard would have been interested. I think the guard would be interested in it. I think the concern the guard had is, is the guard likes to work with the guard. Sure. And they get afraid of the active duty. Yeah, of course. Taking it from them or ruining a good time. So um, there's you, definitely an interest. When uh, you do these CT lines with Texas and Arizona, et cetera, is it like one airplane? That's all that's out there? No. Uh, I think North Dakota flies two Arizona Flies two, and I don't know about Texas. They may do two lines as well. You guys have issues with like deconflicting climbs and descents and stuff, or are you just like over local radios or? Uh, yeah, usually it's all through air traffic control. Um, um, North Dakota is not too congested. The range that they have is usually not bad at all, so you really don't need to worry about it. Yeah. It's very well restricted over there. Uh, the Arizona range gets a little more congested because there is a ton of other military traffic out there. Like but, Barry Goldwater range. Um, that's in Arizona, but I think there's another one. It's right. It's the, it's the, uh, the Tucson range. And I cannot think of the name of it right now. Yeah. Not critical. Um, Tombstone. Maybe. I just cannot remember it. Not critical. But if, but in any case, yeah, that one's a little more congested and you're doing a lot more talking on uh, with ATC, but they, ATC in those both these regions, they are so used to us flying at this point. Yeah. They keep everyone out of the way. We stay out of the way. It works out. It's interesting that active duty is struggling so much to yeah. <laughs> to get CT lines happening. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's working very well in the guard, uh, and the guard needs it because they if it's not MPA days, it's Title Thirty Two days. So those are state orders. The state's paying for you to be there, which means it doesn't actually count for an active duty retirement. Title 10 days is the only way you can get active duty retirement days. Uh -huh. So you kind of stop thinking about like, oh, I've done, you know, 10 years in the Air Force as an active duty guy. So I only have 10 more years to retire. 
in the guard, it starts going a lot more days wise. Like, oh, well, I did about you know three months of orders, so I've I've gained another three months of um, active duty time. So that is something when you're a part-time guard member uh, or a drill status guardsman, the DSG, uh, that's where you start thinking a lot more in days to months as yeah. opposed to years uh, adding to your retirement for an active duty retirement. But you can also do a guard retirement, um, which is still 20 years of service in the guard. So you can retire which, as a which might take 30 years to get. No, because you can okay. still, as long as you joined the Guard and you've done 20 years in the Guard, you can do a retirement. Where the crazy part of a Guard retirement comes in is you cannot actually get paid until it reach the age of 65. So you yeah. don't actually receive, if you will, the pension. Right. Until the age of 65. That's like a federal retirement age or something. Right. Okay. So you won't receive the pay. In addition, you cannot get the uh, medical benefits, or really we'll call it health benefits, for that retirement. Okay. So you retired, but you don't get any benefits from that retirement. Okay. Which is why most people don't just retire with a guard retirement. They're going to continue to work for active duty retirements. Um, you can also do a guard retirement where you um, essentially don't collect or you don't consider yourself retired you just put yourself in an inactive status you can still build seniority if you will and rank and time and grade yeah. so that when that pension eventually times out that uh -huh. you can collect on it you've raised it that much time okay so that's another way in which you weird. Can kind of play that it's very <laughs> weird and i do not understand it yeah <laughs> uh, most guys as i said they do truly work for a guard or an active duty retirement as opposed to a guard retirement the guard retirement just has a lot of added things to conflict with or complications that it's just easier to retire active duty <clears throat> you can also be a technician in the guard Technician is essentially a government employee that wears a military uniform and has a military rank. But you're a government employee, so you're on the GS pay scales. Is that a federal or state? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're basically state, but you're you're not really working a federal or you're not working a active duty or a guard retirement you're now working a government employee retirement so the same type of retirement plan that you would have for a postal service worker or a federal agent in the fbi oh interesting. you're on yeah. that type of retirement plan so it's a third avenue of approach yeah, for retirement um obviously because that is a completely different one the moment that you sh you start working that one you're not making progress for one or the other one. But the MQ-9 has presented some unique opportunities in that as well because you cannot fly the combat line without being on federal Title X military orders. So you could be a full-time technician who shows up on a flying schedule and now you just turned your technician day into an active duty day. Now you just worked as an active duty member. So you're essentially collecting on two days gotcha. worth of retirement. Um, 
the advantage to that and why some people do go the technician route, which the, uh, the guard is starting to get rid of it. Um, the advantages are if you want to make your entire life flying the MQ-9 or working in the guard as a extended career, i.e. past the 20 year mark, then being a technician and a MQ-9 pilot means you could collect two retirement checks by the end of your career. So yeah, sure, as opposed to being able to retire on active duty at 20 years, you stretch your active duty retirement out to maybe as a approximate 30 years, so a 30-year career, but now you're collecting on two pensions when you retire. So it certainly has some extremely beneficial benefits for the user at the end of their career, but they do have to stretch the career to really pay out for for those to really pay out. Yeah. Do um, they, so you can't like hit 20 years of active time, start collecting a federal retirement and be like, well, I still want to be a technician too. Like just do that thing and start building that time while um, you're collecting a pension. So I'm not smart enough on that, but I don't think you can. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. I don't truly understand the technician world. Yeah. I'm definitely no expert on that. <laughs> um, to me, that's, yeah, that's some crazy game that I have yet to understand. Yeah, so a whole bunch of crazy accounting tricks. Yes. It's really what the guard seems like to me. It's just a bunch of accounting tricks. Yes. Uh, this all comes back, uh, you know, we had discussed this a while back, but the guard is a choose your own adventure. You yeah. make it what you want. If you really love the MQ-9 world or really love this unit and you're like, I'm just going to do anything I can at this base because my family loves it here. I'm going to become a technician. The next technician spot that opens that fits my my billet, if you will. And I'm going to do this technician thing and this active thing until I just can't walk anymore. And then yeah. <laughs> we'll call it good. Um, and and it, it definitely can pay off. Our, our group commander, who's going to be retiring here in about a month, is, yeah, he's going to have an impeccable career and an enormous pension because he's done approximately 25 to 30-ish years of active duty time and 30 years of technician time. And he's punching out. Yeah. And he's going to collect on both those pensions. Um, so he's going to get a great retirement check yeah. <laughs> um, each month. Um, Interesting. You were telling me uh, earlier that was like maybe even six digits. I believe it's six digits. Yeah. I'm almost certain it is actually, but I cannot truly quote it because awesome. he won't share. Uh, but yes, <laughs> it's too he's, good. I don't want to share it. <laughs> yeah, he's doing very well, uh, and he's very excited for his retirement because he quite literally can just sit on the beach in Lake Michigan and yeah. retire and do nothing. So, if your unit is like running out of days and dollars and all that fun stuff, uh, you have, I definitely know of guardsmen and even reservists that like will call around to other places and see if they can get on orders Yep, there to, like, inclu to include myself actually. So this is, this is great. Um, the guard, if they start running low on days and dollars. Obviously the leadership wants to take care of their people. Uh, the guard is exceptionally good at this because their people are with them for their entire careers. So you're going to do everything you can to take care of that guy. Cause yeah. you've been with him for the last five to six years of your career. You want them to succeed. So if somebody is very heavily dependent on, we'll say MPA days, right? Like they want to be full-time, they really want to be an AGR, but they just don't fit 
anything that the AGR that, are, that is available or yeah. for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to make a board or whatever. So instead, the unit's just taking care of them by giving them the federal orders to fly the combat line and they're there doing the job. For whatever reason, the MPA days are drying up or they have to offer it to someone else. And the guard unit really can't figure out any other ways to keep them employed. That's when they'll reach out to the other guard units and say, hey guys, I got a really solid pilot who's looking for some days. Do you guys have any days? Yeah, and guard units generally all have these little pots of money sitting around ready to go for whatever's happening. And they'll send you out and do the do that career um, it could be something completely different, i.e. like maybe the f- finance at Tennessee. The guard's really good about that. The, the under-the-table deals are very, very, very common. Yeah. Um, they usually play in, the, in the, the member's favor because you'll also get per diem uh, and things like that, so you can actually make a little extra money out of it. Yeah. Which is kind of nice because, because you're kind of TDY. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Your TDY and everything like that. So that does have some advantages in that regard is for um, somebody who is just trying to make ends meet for whatever reason, something came up in, in their life. You, those TDY options do present a few more opportunities other than just getting uh, getting paid. Um, to... Uh, to that extent, you can also do things like an ADOS tour. Or yeah, I, I just looked that up. That's active duty for operation support. Correct. Yeah. So let's say a guy like myself is looking to move to be closer to his family. I said I was trying to be closer to my daughter in Michigan. Yep. She's now moving with her mom down to Florida. And I'm like, well, I want to stay close. What options do I have? I have an option of an ADOS tour. ADOS tour to fill in basically the active duty is like, we don't have anyone to fill this billet. Do you have anyone that will take it? So I apply for it and uh, get accepted for it. And then I go down and fill that billet. Those are title 10 days, just like an MPA. So I'm a federal employee, just like you would be on active duty. And they normally are approximate or somewhere between 185 to 365 days of orders. All right. So it's kind of like a short-term contract um, for another unit, usually an active duty unit that you're filling in. Uh, They exist literally all over the world. You can do ADOS in Germany, Italy, Turkey, all over the world these these orders exist because the active duty simply just didn't have anyone either request to fill the position or anyone qualified to fill the position. Uh, So that is another option for someone that's looking to... uh, just get a chance to PCS to be closer to family or just looking for something a little different, looking to broaden their, their knowledge base, anything like that. Um, that those tours, um, could include like a PCS or they could just simply be, um, a TDY, but that's another option that you easily can take advantage of as a guard member, simply because in the guard, you can, flip-flop the military orders that you're on whichever way you want, however you want, whenever yeah. you want. Unlike on the activity where you kind of take that PCS and you kind of sign that ADSC that I'm assigned to these guys for this amount of time and then, you know, hope to get or try to get 
the next assignment to be something you like or work towards a good assignment like what you're doing on your side where you're trying to work for that right in the guard it's simply just look around find an opening hit the apply button and talk to your leadership and let them know that's what you're doing leadership generally is very supportive of all of this because they gain somebody with or they they won the unit generally gets to use those orders that you were using for somebody else in the unit so it helps them and then two you will likely come back with a much broader knowledge base uh, and expertise and they didn't have to pay a cent for it so guard units are very generally very supportive of something like that if that's what you wanted to do Sounds reasonably easy to get if you really like it. It really if you search around enough. And exactly, you can like find a, a way. Absolutely. In fact, there's a website for it. You can literally see. You pick the state, oh, and really? it just <laughs> populates five to ten per per yeah. state. Um, yes, there's tons of them. the The military is always looking for people. They're always yeah. looking for help. <laughs> um, now, some of these assignments can you can fall into another service um, where you may end up being kind of tied in with the army. Um, Most of the time it's going to be the army because the guard generally stays army or air force. Um, But there are Navy assignments. um, Is there a Navy guard? They have a reserve. The Navy has reserve. The Navy and the Marine Corps have reserves. Yeah. Um, So the state doesn't generally have a Navy. Correct. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, Surprised California doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> they probably tried. Um, but yeah, so so you can fall into those as well. I could, and I'm not certain if it ends up as joint experience, but it's very possible it does. Um, during my application process for this ADOS tour that I'll be taking in October, fingers crossed, they asked me how much joint experience I have. And um, there was boxes checking about whether or not this tour was going to count as joint experience. Gotcha. So wouldn't surprise me if there's opportunities to give yourself joint experience. How much does joint experience matter in the Air National Guard? Uh, my impression is very, very, very little. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like uh, school slots, right? It was like the complete opposite for active duty. Active Correct. duty is like joint, that is... You have to do it. You're yeah. the king of the world now. Right. Like, yeah, the guard doesn't really put a lot of emphasis. Now, obviously, being having joint experience versus not compared with amongst your peers, yeah, sure, you do have that upper hand in yeah. that knowledge base. But the guard isn't like the act duty where they're saying, no, 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 you need this is your time to go do joint things. Yeah, you're not pushed in that avenue. Again, you choose that adventure if you choose to do so. Um, which goes back to school, the guard requires just like the act duty you have to do your schools to make a promotion it is not required at all to do any schools in residence it doesn't even really push you and promote you to higher standards across your peers if you do if you've done it right sure the perception is that oh well you went and committed to in residence there's a perception associated with it as there would be for anyone but the guard does not weigh those more heavily than anything. Yeah, it's a um, Air Force senior captain, like yeah, just the the yeah the the, the sole purpose of his existence yes. is to be at the top yeah. of his strat, so he Correct. can be the guy that gets selected to go to ACSC and residence, and then it's, right. you're on a different track. Exactly, and you are, and applying for those um, in residence ACSC is very different in the guard as well. 
Um, there are only so many slots available to the guard in general. Um, and they, they normally aren't filled because it's not that great of a deal for a guard guy to yeah. do it in residence. So why, why wouldn't somebody <laughs> want to do that? In the guard, the reason most people don't want to do it is because the school slot is over 365 days. It requires you to PCS. A guy in the guard doesn't want a PCS because he doesn't want to move. He's going back home when he's done, yeah. which is where he lives right now. So a PCS is more of a pain in the butt because it means more than likely they're going to end up with a rental agreement at their school location, and they're still going to probably keep their house back where they live. So it becomes more of a financial hassle than it is worth it because the guard doesn't see it as the greatest thing ever if you went to in-res ACSC right. versus just in correspondence. Does that like, would that require them to like move their family and all that stuff? You too, don't have to. Or? I mean, yeah. And that, that's the next part is, do, do I want the family to move down there with me for the year? Or do I want, you know, to uproot what my family has yeah, here? Little, right? little Jimmy's in fourth grade. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So it's, it becomes more of the, the quality of life goes down as opposed to on an active duty member when it's like, well, you know, this is just start a my normal routine. I'm just moving and then I'm going to move again. It's yeah. just part of the routine. But in the guard, you don't move anymore. So uprooting the family for one year to then most likely return right back where they were. But I didn't really gain anything from this. So most of the time, those slots are not taken. Not to say they're bad and not to say that people don't apply for them, but it's not as competitive as you would see on the active duty side, like you said. It's cutthroat on Correct. the active duty Correct. side. Correct. It really isn't that way. There, yeah. there are generally slots available. And this is my like general impression of the guard. Uh, you mentioned it's it's a family, it's a fraternity. Like we're we're hiring you. You are we we are welcoming you into this bed, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Come on we're over. We're all gonna be in this yeah. together. Uh, yeah. which is definitely not the vibe on the active duty side. Is there like when you transitioned from active duty to guard, mm -hmm. like did that become evident like pretty quick or? Yes. So very, very quickly when you get there uh, to a guard unit, that's kind of welcomed you in. Um, obviously there's going to be a little bit of growing pains in that. The guard moves at its own pace. We always joked about like, Oh yeah, yeah. That, that form that you were, yeah, it's in the wickets. Some, someone will sign it eventually. It'll show up eventually. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think my OPR is out for signatures. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That'll uh, come back around at some point. Um, everything kind of moves its own pace. Uh, there's no, there is not that sense of urgency that it has to be done now, or you know, the group commander is going to be on you, right? Yeah. That doesn't really exist now. Not to say that the wing commander and the group commanders and squadron commanders are not saying like, hey, get it done. That happens, and there are times where that will happen, but. It's a much more of a, like, we're more focused on making sure that we achieve the mission side for the unit so that we continue to get the funding for the unit so that we continue to show that the unit is capable of doing these things and less so of, like, how great does this memo look? How great did I sell <laughs> this guy, right? How yeah. how many strats can we get, right? It's not focused on that. And, and that goes back to the family, right? The family all sees, like, you know, 
Jimmy's a great guy. He's an awesome officer. He's uh, works really hard. He spends the extra time at the unit. He's really fun to hang out with. Um, he's got a good family that's really supportive of everything he's doing. And you know, my my son's on his soccer team. Like that family part of it. So much so that you're not like, you know, well, I got to make sure that Jim has done these four schools. Otherwise, I can't promote him. Yeah. It's like, no, I know he's a great guy. I'm going to work him into a promotion the moment I can because he's a great representative of what this unit, you know, what this unit values. Yeah. Um, so more of that whole person as opposed to the professional person is what the unit kind of strives towards. So if you're not the first guy to complete ACSC, or you're not a guy who's top of the class in uh, SOS, whatever it is, right? Okay, I don't really care. I needed you to complete the school, and I know that you're the guy that I want to make you know this promotion happen. Yeah. So less cutthroat, more, hey man, we want to help you out. We need you to do these things. Once these are done, we can go forward with, with the next step. Um, not often set to a timeline, but more set as a an expectation when you feel ready for that challenge. Um, you choose how fast you want to go through yeah. your own little adventure. Sounds lovely. Like. Yeah, <laughs> quite the paradise. Now, <laughs> yeah. as, as wonderful as it is, you do as a DSG, um, you do have to make sure that you stay competitive, you stay useful to the unit. Because if you're not, then the orders might not show up. Right. Because the unit's like, hey man, you really weren't putting in the effort or you denied orders for like three months because you had something else going on and now this other guy really needs these and he's been putting out a lot more for the unit right now so we're more inclined to give him the days and dollars. So you want to be useful. Um, and if you're not, then you might not get the the, do the days and the dollars to, to fly the line and be part of the unit. Yeah, and subsequent, um, uh, you know, promotions and exactly, uh, exactly. Know, increases in pay and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does come back to bite you if you show up to the guard and you're just this laid back guy that doesn't do anything. Yeah. You're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, you're not going to volunteer for that. I'm not going to help with that. Um, because then you're just seen as the useless piece of shit that yeah. doesn't help us. So why yeah. would I help you? Yeah. The guard, had, we, we still have a mission that needs to get done. Yeah. And there, there exactly. are things that need to be exactly. done. Exactly. So, um, and it might never show up on that person's performance reports because the guard doesn't care what the performance report says anyway. So he might write a spectacular performance report that says he did a million things this year that he, he or she may have done may have not done doesn't matter the guards like yeah i don't care yep sign it move it on doesn't matter to me <laughs> i know that they're useless to me because when i've asked them to do things they didn't right or when we needed them they weren't there yeah so again the paperwork and the uh, the bureaucracy that follows your career on the active duty is really not part of the guard it's there because it has to be there but it's not there dictating how your career moves yeah it's just there because it has to be there um which is probably my favorite part of the guard is it is a completely different um quality of life the mentality is more focused on the 
who that individual is, what I can do for that individual, and um, and what they want to do for themselves and the unit. And less so of like, okay, here's the thing. If you want to be a major, I need you to do these things yeah. or I can give you nothing. <laughs> and that's the big thing. Is I can still have a captain that's a part-time guy who is only with us for four months out of the year and has another job. And then in those four months, they're tremendous help, but all they want to do is fly. That's it. Well, great. On those four months, all he did was fly. You know, we got him as instructor and call. So now whenever he shows up, we get him rehacked and he can go and instruct a bunch of sorties for us. And when he's here, he really likes building sim scenarios. So I just send him over to the sim and he just builds sim scenarios for us, which is awesome because nobody wants to do that. So yeah. you're helping me out. So yeah, the next time that promotion comes around, I'm like, so you only worked four months this year for me, but it was awesome. So you're getting everything you want. Have you done your school stuff? No, I'm working on it. Okay, cool. Well, we'll hold off on your promotion until the school is done, but expect that you're on the right track for your promotion. As soon as you finish this, we can get you that. But if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't do it. Nobody yeah. cares. You're still useful to me. You're still going to get the orders when you want the orders. Everything's great. I've heard uh, somebody tell me the other day that like, I don't worry about it. Everybody in the guard makes 06. Pretty Is much. It, uh, it, now, 06, no. 06, okay. you do, you got to, so 06, just like in the, really for like first kind of senior and up in the enlisted side and maybe even master, but senior and up in the, in the enlisted side and um, 06 and up in the guard. You pretty much wait for the guy in front of you to die. Okay. <laughs> die yeah. or retire. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, there's very few 06 positions uh, available. Um, from the point of captain on they're all control grades and there's lots of captain slots there's lots of major slots there's plenty of 05 slots so continue to be useful to the guard specifically your unit um for the entire state's mission um do your required schools and things like that oh well oh three oh four and oh five are easily reachable you're not really competing like you are and boarding like you are in the active duty but you still do have to board um if you want to get one on your standard timeline so in the case my case right i joined as a captain and i joined as a uh, five i was a fifth as my fifth year as a captain so one year later i was like all right i'm about it's about time I start looking at this whole promotion thing. There's two routes you can promote in the guard. There's the ROTMA. Don't know what it stands for. <laughs> uh, or there's... We'll, 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 we'll work it up, um, but continue. <laughs> or there's the PV, which is, uh, I believe it's a promotion vector. Um, the ROTMA is essentially like, okay, you've reached your max time and grade as a captain. Reserve Officer Personnel Management Act. Okay. ROP, R-O-P? Rop, yeah, ROP. Okay, ROP. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so you reached your max time and grade as a captain, which is, I believe, nine years. So let's say I was going for a ROPMA board. I get up to my nine years, and they say, all right, 
you either promote or we really can't retain you anymore because you're too senior of a captain. Well, let's look at your records. Have you done anything you really shouldn't do? No. Are you alive? Yes. Looks like you're promoting. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a Ratma board. Basically saying you're not completely useless. You are still competent and alive. Promote. The only way you can really do that is if you're on a DSG status, so you're not an AGR. Yeah. DSG, um, you said drill status, status guardsman. That's yeah. traditional guard, like kind of. Traditional, yeah. So the TR and DSG are very interchangeable terms. One weekend TRs, a month, two weeks a year. Well, you could still be full time flying MPA and be a drill status guardsman. Okay. Because. You're not. You're just filling federal orders now. If the federal orders just happen to be 365 days, and we just keep giving them to you, then uh-huh. you're still a deal, okay. drill status guardsman. But we're just constantly giving you orders. Yeah. So Ugh. it's a very weird game. But in any case, <laughs> you could be a DSG and still be full time, and you may not be as promotion eligible simply because you're just flying line and you don't really care to do any of the other stuff. So. Yes, you can promote via the Ratma, but it okay. means you're going to be an off or in that rank for a longer period of time. Or you can promote via the, I believe it's called, it's PV, which I believe is Promotion Vector. That is where you would board like you do for active duty, but it's like an interview board. Um, you submit a package, an uh, application package for it, which is essentially like your what do they call them on activity? The form you fill out. Uh, your PRF, your promotion PRF, recommendation form. Yes. Yeah. You, it's similar to that, not exactly that, because you don't have to like take all the important bullets and like do that. <laughs> Dude, you, we're down to two lines yeah. in the PRF. Okay. It's, well, so it's you, just oh, like every strat that you've ever gotten on like these lines, and then you just fill <laughs> in with some bullshit at the okay. end, and it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so you don't have to really do that. All they really do is collect all your performance reports, put them in a giant package along with like your career data brief and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's only honestly there so that the board can take a look at it as they do the interview. So as opposed to um, on active duty where you're, it goes to a board and they sit there and look through your package and say, yep, he's promotable um, or no, not good enough. You sit in front of those peer the the panel, and they ask you questions about your career, what you want to do with the uh, in the guard, what you want to do for the unit, and a lot of leadership questions based on what the promotion scale you're going into. Uh, so my board, again, I believe it consisted of four officers, all of which were lieutenant colonels, um, and then a mediator, not even a mediator, excuse me, um, record taker, note taker, excuse me. Uh, which is just one of our lieutenants. And um, in that board, they ask you questions and determine if you're competent enough to fit the role. And if the records show you are, your interview shows you are, they will give you a promotion. And you will literally promote right there as a major. Like live, doing it live, right? Oh, they're there. like, all right, well, uh, congratulations. We have you decided. Are now. All right. Yeah. Do you have to do like an oath and all that um, stuff? And you can't do the oath. So generally, the. They slide the rent across the table at you and you're like, all right, congratulations. Yeah. Put this on when you get home. That's <laughs> the catch. That's the catch. So the guard promoted you. So the state says you're major, but I get paid. We all technically get paid 
after the our rank pay is all based on the federal government. So even though I'm 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 a state major in the state, I won't pin on because the federal government has to recognize that that promotion. So I promoted to major May of 21. All right. I didn't pin on until no uh December of 21. So my pay didn't start until December of 21. But the moment that I pinned on, my date of rank went all the way back to May 21. So you continue to be paid as a captain until December? Yeah, so you lose out on some pay. But your date of rank is from that moment. So the Fed recognition date is the date your pay starts because that's when you are federally, federally recognized as a major in this case for me, as a major. And my date of rank is then updated to the day I was well sworn in, if you will, um, as a major. So it's kind of weird in that regard from the PV standpoint is that your pay gets kind of weird, but um, you do promote. So like a promoted on the active duty side, the moment that you get that, like, hey, your promotion is this. You basically, you're, you're, that's kind of the, the pay start date because that was a federally recognized promotion date. Whereas us, state recognized it, federal government didn't recognize it, so you wait until they recognize it to get paid. <laughs> okay, so who pays, who's paying you? Is this like the Air National Guard and they have different just accounts that that happens in and there's just... Yes and no. It all goes double entry bookkeeping going on. Kind kind of basic. Yeah, I was still being. I was still on an AGR as a captain, um, and everything. The guard recognized me as a major, but there was no actual pinning. There was no ceremony. There was nothing. It was just simply the state says you are a major. Nothing changed my entire like nothing else changed just a piece of paper that says major that paper isn't really recognized until it is signed by the secretary of defense and that's when everything happens that i the guard will then change my pay state or pay um grade at that moment but if you're a drill status guardsman that fund all those funds are coming from the state State. yeah and that's all going into this air national guard unit that is that's just a separate pot of money that yeah it it is a separate pot of money i believe it actually comes from a different grant so we all get ours from like indianapolis or that the fed yes address right um defense defense finance uh, yes something exactly so all of ours comes from that indianapolis address i always know i just seen indianapolis (laughs) address right um I believe that even the state funds come from it, but it comes from a different office. So it's a slightly different address because okay. um, it's in a different office. But I think it's still in Indianapolis, if I yeah. if I recall correctly. I've, I've only been on that status for a short amount of time, uh, so I can't promise that. But I'm almost certain there are different offices. So you get a different oh, address on that pay statement. Yeah. Very Dude, just, just, silly stuff like just that. Just the admin yeah. burden of being in the guard and like having to understand all this is yeah. enough for me to be like, you know <sighs> yeah. what? I like my yeah. All I gotta I'm do is keep showing right up. To, yeah, I just gotta <laughs> yeah. keep showing up, and that's true, right? And 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 that is the downside to the choose your own adventure is is that it can get rather confusing and convoluted as to like 
where am I getting paid? Uh, Or who's going to actually give me a job? Uh, That can be the case for sure. Um, And like when I joined and I was just on, okay, I got 180 days to hopefully show that I'm useful enough to be full time. Yeah. It was definitely something I was actively trying to learn about because I was told like, don't worry if we can't get you something, we'll find you orders. And I was like, what do you mean you're going to find me orders? How does that even work? So I did spend a lot of time kind of trying to figure that out and understand that piece. But as soon as I was on an AGR, you're basically just X duty again. And now I don't know about any of that stuff. I I knew uh, the few things that I picked up when I was uh, just a a DSG worried about my next six months. I tried to learn it. But then the moment I was an AGR, I was active duty. And right. now I should do whatever I want. Don't need to know about that. Yeah. I just have to maintain, you know, a productive member of this unit and uh, help the unit grow in whatever way it needs to. And that's it. Is AGR basically like permanent to a degree? Or so is, the first, can that come um, and go? I think it's the first four years as an AGR are t- probationary periods. Uh, at the completion of those four years, you'll reach the request uh, continuity, I believe is the term that they use, but um, you submit a package. Actually, your leadership, your supervisor will submit a package that says what this member has done and if they are meeting the standard that was put forth for them and if they want them to continue on the AGR or if they want to terminate the, the AGR. Okay. Um, I don't know of anyone that hasn't reached continuation. Yeah, as long as you're not a shitbag. Exactly. Yeah. If you keep being the guy that you were that was in that promotion, or excuse me, in the interview board, you're fine. If you suddenly change and you were just a useless piece of shit around the unit, and like, yeah, you might not get continuation. And as far as I know, if you hit continuation, you're good. The only thing you have to worry about is promotions at that point. Like, if you hit max time and grade, they have to figure something out for you because um, there are and there are waivers for it. So you hit max time and grade. They can do, I think, a two year waiver pretty easily. But then after that, it's like an act of Congress to get you extended. So if you end up with that two year waiver and they're like, hey, man, you still got like five years to retire, but you only got two years left in this ring. You better figure yourself out yeah. because otherwise <laughs> you're done. Like, um, Yeah, so. For the most part, an AGR is smooth sailing. You're just an active duty guy living in the guard world. Right. Mm, uh, it sounds sounds dreamy. Yeah, it is. Um, it is dreamy. But you are put in a position where they expect more out of you as well. So you do have to think of it in terms of an active duty guy in some ways, because um, you want to be the expert you want to be the leader so that you can get the esg what he needs or she needs uh and stuff like that um so yeah when i was at kandahar or not kandahar um lud yeah i was the lno okay and i was getting these like words that like the guard units are like well this guard unit's deployed now Yes, and they're like playing this game of like moving the magical token around from unit to unit, which had some other like mm. some wild follow-on effects. Where like, well, they can't fly for like this this week, and this, so somebody else is going to fly this thing. Or I, I can't remember the specifics, but there was some. Yes, this exists. What is this? Thing? I don't know what this is exactly. Okay. I know it exists. Um, what the unit is doing, it's called mobilizing. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. So the every, I think it's every two years. A unit will mobilize. 
in the MQ9 world, it's a whole weird game. And it literally is just a... It's kind of like a shell game. We're, yeah. just, playing a little, we're, we're like, just playing a little game. Because when we mobilize in the guard, we do the same thing we're doing right now. Like, we fly a line. Yeah, because we're, we're still in Michigan doing our thing. We're yeah. not, like, going anywhere. Yes, exactly. So all that, all that changes when a unit mobilizes... The unit's orders change, and they get a large, if you, cash deposit of Title Ten days. Okay. That say deployed, which is great because now the unit has all these extra Title Ten days, so we can yeah. plus up the line. And what some units will do is they'll surge, so they'll take a second line, a plus up, and they'll just quite literally fly the shit out of their people. Yeah. Um, the reasons it helps the guard and why it's so critical for the guard. I said the MPA is Title 10. You're a federal guy. Yep. You can only do, I'm going to probably mess these numbers up, 1,824 days, maybe it's 25 days, of Title 10 orders as a drill status guardsman in a 2,195-day cycle. <laughs> yes. I believe those are the correct numbers. I might have botched them a little bit, but like I'm pretty close yeah, here. I'd love to hear like the bureaucracy. So, that they like got to this point. They're like, okay, no, not 292, 2,194. Yeah. 96 probably too high. I yeah. think 95 yeah. is probably just right. I, yeah. I'm curious what that like translates I, to. I, I think it's like, it's like you can only do like four. So out of five, if I, again, I'm not 100% on this, but it's like if you do five years of, of guard time only, Four of them or something can be Title Ten, okay. And then after that, you have to take a break, or the military says you have to take a break. It's a safety net that the guard built to prevent it. Six dive. years, yeah. Six twenty-one ninety-five by three sixty-five. Okay, is six. So six years out of a six-year cycle, it used to be five. Now it's six. Okay. So out of a six-year cycle, you can only do what was one thousand eight hundred and twenty-five. Uh, see what, what that see. is. Maybe four. That's five. Five years. Okay. Boom. Nailed so it. So <laughs> you can only do, yeah, you can only do five years of orders after a six-year cycle. Okay. If you exceed that. That sounds like, that sounds a lot better than like going down to the number of they, days. That's why. That, remember I said everything's thought in days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. DSGs think in days. Okay. Uh, if you exceed that, you have violated that regulation and that member is no longer allowed to take Title Ten orders. Okay. So the intent behind it was to make sure that some guy doesn't get completely royally effed and just constantly deployed. Okay. But in the MQ9 world, we never really deployed. Yeah, so, we're, like, we're always deployed. We're deployed in place, correct. which is... So however you want to see it, right? The mobilization resets that clock. So the moment you mobilize somebody uh, and you put them on that, now they're on another set of deployed orders. Yeah. It forces that clock to reset. Okay. So that means somebody could essentially continuously do Title 10 days. Gotcha. Forever, indefinitely, until they retire. So that's why it's so critical on the MQ9 community is we can get guys to just go over and over and over again on um, Title 10 and still serve their time and also not break the i think they even call it the 1825 rule okay um hey do me a favor bring the mic up a little bit closer to your mouth just a little bit yeah good you're good keep going 
<laughs> okay. Um, like put some tension on, push it back a little bit. I don't know. But anyway. Yes. And um, 1825 rule. Yes, 1825 rule. So that's what it's called. Um, if you exceed those days, you can't be on orders for, I believe, a year. And it sucks for the guy that wants to be on those orders. Gotcha. So the safety net was built, and now it's kind of impractical in the MK9 community, especially impractical because we're literally always flying the combat line. Right. That's all you're doing. Okay. Um, so it kind of means if you can't do that, you just lost a pilot or a sensor for the year. Um, and they may have lost their job for a year, yeah. which is what we're obviously we're trying to avoid. groceries at the... Correct. Yeah. Um, I was shooting terrorists two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, we have a few younger guys that used to work at the casino. And it's so funny how they're like, yeah, last week I was taking out the trash for the casino. And today I'm coordinating for, yeah, strikes in fucking Syria. Yeah. Right? Like, whatever. It's so funny. <laughs> you talk to these young kids who had such different careers right. if you will and then uh they come out to work and it's very different but um yeah that, that is another interesting you do get a wide variety of um experience from people right you do get guys that don't have a lot of time flying the plane because they really do have a career outside of the military that they're mm -hmm. focused on so i'd kind of mentioned you get you get the 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 true drill status guardsman. The, I fly two two months out of the entire year. I'm here flying. The rest of the time, I work as an engineer for whatever company. Yeah, or an accountant. Yeah, and they show up and they have no little to no knowledge on how to do things. What's been going on in the last six months? And you kind of have to start fresh with them on like, all right, man, do you remember what an MQ nine right. is? Uh, so you do get that, and that is a risk that the guard unit has to deal with is some people get really inexperienced and fall way behind the power curve. Um, the guard does what it can to try and keep those guys proficient by trying to find ways to keep them around more often. Yeah. But you can only do so much with them because obviously you're trying to already use all the orders that you can for the people that you have there on a regular basis. Um that is another challenge that like an AGR like myself has to deal with is how to maintain a relatively high level of proficiency and currency in the unit um, with members, especially the members that aren't there all the time. Right. Uh, the advantage is most of the pilots um, do two jobs. They're either airline pilots or they're contractors for the MQ-9 community. Gotcha, like so they level come, or yes. others. Yeah. So they come back and you're like, okay, man, what have you forgotten? Got it. You remember the most of this and you're good. Um, the airline guys, usually it's switchology stuff that they just kind of forgotten where the buttons are. Yeah. I mean, um, I forget where the buttons are. So right, exactly. It's right. terribly mechanized. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you do spend a lot of time, if you will, rehacking currencies sure. in the guard more so than you find on the active duty because you tend to keep everyone fairly proficient on active duty. Um, you just don't have that advantage in the guard. Uh, so like that rapid spin up that I thought was impossible in the guard. Yeah. Um, the guard is very used to doing it. Very used to like, Hey, new AOR next week, let's get ready for it. And everyone comes in on a random weekend and spins up on this whole new thing. And then we go out and fly it the next day. Yeah. The guard's really used to that kind of stuff. That's the way it goes. I mean, Are you on a 
Title 10 orders or Title 32 when you come in on the weekend? Ooh, and good question. Academics, right? uh, usually if they're not on orders, yeah, they're coming in on a Title 32 day okay. to do that. Um, so that is a good question. I was like, a lot of guys will ask, like, well, if I'm coming off on my weekend from my other job, like, who's paying me? So they will have to gen up orders. There's specific orders for that, though, for air crew. Um, AT days, air crew training days. So they're specifically designated. I'm going to mess up these numbers. You get like 30 total a year. Um, 30 of those days a year to just just burn. You just come in and burn those days wherever you want. And you just call it an AT day. There's an order genned up and you did that day. Um, there's also ST days, which you can do as many as you'd like. Those are all, both of those I believe are... Um, title 10 um but st days are you can do any as many as you'd like of those but those have to be issued to the unit or to the person you can't just use them you don't just have like an allotment of them um there's other little smatterings of different training days drill days that you can use throughout the year that are just like free days you can just toss down and get paid for um so Yes, if I if the unit was to call everyone in, most people would probably be burning one of one or two of their AT days to come in, get the training they need, and then return to their normal lives. If you live out of the area, you actually have to burn more because you have to have travel days on the front and the back end of it. But yes, it gets very confusing. <laughs> um, or you're just an AGR like me, right. and you just show up whenever, wherever, and you're on a standard pay scale like every other active duty guy. I, have, I, have, I find so much value in just the simplicity yes. of not having yeah. to think about all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And, and there's guys that are wizards at it. I mean, they they know all like, oh, well, I've got this many days of this left. i got this many days of this, and I'm going to work these out in here, and this is going to go here. And like, I'm sure there's a an Excel document wizard yes. out there that gets shuffled yes. around like fact, those our, our, our group commander actually the one i was just talking <laughs> about he's an excel master uh and he yeah he's got all kinds of crazy excel charts for stuff like this yes but he did his 30 years as it so yeah right. i'm sure he did have a great little me- mechanism for mastering his days and dollars for the year right um but yeah talk to me about uh national guard bureau mm, so so that seems, <clears throat> yeah. So the, the reason I ask is because mm-hmm. I come across the NGB is doing all sorts of like, yes, weird stuff, right? They they've got they've got people in all kinds of nooks and crannies all over the place. That the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center was the last place I came across it. I heard that koalas have been in Washington D.C. for like three or four years, just like running around with this massive budget and you know <laughs> trying to get things done. It's like yep. how? But he's a Michigan Guard guy. Uh, no, Koala is New York. Okay, New York. so he's a New, New York, York guy, and it's like, yeah. How how does this work? <laughs> yes, aren't you supposed to be in New York when you're in the New York Guard? Uh, yes. So this goes back to that ADOS, and then there's statutory tours. Which okay. think of statutory tours. The best explanation I can think of is it is literally an active duty tour PCS. Think of it as like the active duty. So the ADOS is a short term contract with active duty. Yep. The statutory tour is like signing an ADSC to PCS for the Air Force, okay. just like any active duty guy does when they PCS to their new base on, because they ended up on the VML. Okay. Literally the exact same process. So uh, what I believe Koala is doing is he's fulfilling a statutory tour as um, 
the MQ-9 FAM for the National Guard Bureau. So okay. he represents all the MQ-9 community for the Guard. Yeah, all right. That's, that's pretty in DC. That's pretty fucking big. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, and yes, as a result, he ends up with a pretty big budget that yeah. he works with and he distributes across the United States. Okay. To all the guard units. So unlike the MQ9 fam on the active duty, his is, you know, distributing funds, personnel and everything like that across the active units. Koala is doing that for the guard units. The fam being the is that functional area manager, yes. right? Yes. Now, where things are different, the functional area manager for the active duty tends to work more on the personnel level and like, where am I going to put the right peoples yeah. for the job? We don't have to worry about that in the guard. That doesn't exist because the guard is its own, each unit is its own functional area manager for yeah. its personnel. So instead, what Koala is primarily doing is working the funds that each unit has for its personnel or its equipment or its exercises and training. So he's working that end of it, which means, yes, he has a fairly large budget because flying airplanes is no cheap feat, right? right? Um, so he distributes funds that the guard sees fit for the improvements, the training, the development of the MQ-9 across all of its units. Um, Are these jobs that the NGB says that they need to have filled and they basically broadcast it out to the entire, pretty much all the states and say, if you got somebody who wants this, exactly, let us know. And then there's, they select out of whoever. Yep. Same application up. process that you would have for um, the AGRs that I spoke to okay. earlier, right? Smith package, resume comes with, and it's kind of weird because the guard always still does like a normal resume, which the active duty, you're like resume. I'm like, wow, is that where I like put like bullets and stuff? Yeah. Dude, I, <laughs> like, I recently had to do a military resume for this application yeah. to a yeah. PhD program. And I was like, I don't I, even know what this <laughs> looks like, but if you go to, I think it's a, it's either my vector or yes. one of those two. I just go to the bottom. I hit the military resume button. It kicks out. And I'm just like, yes. this is just the list of jobs that I had. It's on my surf. Yes. Which I also included in this package. What are we? Yeah. All right. So, whatever. You want this thing in a different font? Fine. <laughs> right. Exactly. So there's military resumes and then there's, you know, a civilian resume. So what they're asking for literally is a civilian resume in this uh, process. Right. Which um, is different because... You're just not used to doing that as a military guy. Yeah. So I know the, when I first applied to be in the guard and they're like, oh yeah, just send us your resume. And I was like, ah, what do those look like? <laughs> and I was, I was like, do I like color it with, is this like a thing I color with crayons? Yeah. Like how, how in depth is this? So I was very lost. Um, did spend a lot of time Googling stuff, but now it's become more natural, but you will still do a standard Air Force application that you would see on active duties. Submit your surf and last three OPR, you know, the stupid uh -huh. stuff. But then on the top of all of that, you always end up with a resume. So that's a little weirdism that's in the guard as well. But in any case, you apply for it just like you applied for any other job. You're going to sit in front of a board, go through an inter interview process, um, which I guess goes to another piece. The guard is much more personable and then the Air yeah. Force, you tend to submit a package and that's about it, right? You actually yeah, so just recently had a 
interview yeah. where you interviewed. And that was, I was kind of surprised by that because the Air Force doesn't tend to do that. That was straight up just about instructor presence is all yeah. I really cared about. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The way that you interview and to be more personal is when you submit a package that requires you to have a full body standing photo right. so that they can be like, hmm, yeah. he doesn't represent the, yes, uh, the correct, military, right? right? Which, which you guys would get in a... <laughs> In a one-on-one one on one. discussion, yeah. Exactly. So you you do way more of that in the Guard. You sit down in front of either the people you're going to work with or the people who are were previously in that position to whatever extent to make sure you fit everything from, from the paperwork all the way to the person. Um, and that's what Koala did. Uh, my understanding is uh, he, he did that. He did it very well in his interview and, and he picked up for the job. Um, there are just as many statutory tours as there are ADOS tours across the United States. <laughs> if I had known about this. Yeah. And so all you do is throw your name in the hat, say, I would like to do this, fill out the application. They're pretty short suspenses on those applications, yeah. which is a, a really annoying part of it. Yeah, but, but that's what's great. Like if you're the guy who has a package, like almost ready to go all yeah. the time, you're going to boom. Yep. Next thing you know, you're, you're high, uh, the right. 432nd wings nomination for the military liaison or military aide to the president. Correct. And there's <laughs> jobs like that. There's, yeah. and, then, and then actually DC has an enormous amount of them, like yeah. an endless supply of statutory tours because they're basically just looking for staff personnel Yeah, and plenty of air force people active duty or guard or reserve have no interest in going to DC. So getting people to go out there for whatever role it is, there's generally just not enough people going there to fill the positions. So yeah, there's there's an enormous list of statutory tours. If you want to go to DC, there's probably a spot for you. And those are all basically should qualify as active duty time or active, yep, it's exactly active duty time. So okay. uh, you would get. Ooh, we didn't talk bonuses. Um, <laughs> another talk, but uh, well, that's a. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So that is the. You would get and qualify as an active duty member, the whole time you're on that tour. Gotcha. So could you do an entire like? Career. Just go bouncing around? Pretty much. Are you uh, going to be able to promote that way? You could. You can promote in those in those positions. Um, obviously, you have to do the schools and everything like that. You still uh -huh. have to check all the boxes. Um, you can still promote. The challenge might be the position you hold. If you filled in, if you're filling, you're a major and you're filling in a captain to major billet, yeah. but you're lieutenant colonel eligible and you want to promote, there may be a limit to that promotion due to the orders that you're sitting on. Yeah. Some of them allow it and some of them do not. Um, so it might be limited in that capacity, but you could move to another stat tour that's major to Lieutenant Colonel. And in the moment you show up as a major and you're uh, promotable, then it's just do the paperwork, do your interview, promote. Um, and you do that back at your home unit. You would, so if you're like on this four-year <laughs> uh, statutory tour, mm -hmm. you're going to go back and then some guys will be like, who are you? Who the hell are you? Uh, like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're the guy I remember. Yeah. Oh, dude, how you been? So, uh, <laughs> and that goes, yes, actually, technically the, the home unit still owns you. Yeah. Um, and you would kind of fall under them for that, that side of things, but... Um, most of these unit, the unit recognizes you as like you're away, uh, 
you're doing the right things. This is why it's important to have that personal impression and personal, um, well, really the person be a personality in the unit, not just a right. piece of paper. Uh, because now the guys know, oh, he's out there doing the stat tour. We've been hearing great things. He's been working on his school. He's done. He's ready to promote. Yeah, great. Because gotcha. now, again, the unit doesn't lose out. They're not paying a cent for this. Mm-hmm. All this money's going, coming from somewhere else. And now they just have, they have the potential for a guy to come back to them with even more experience and has promoted with gotcha. knowledge base. So you don't generally fight it. The unit's not going to fight it. Because okay. the unit would lose out if they did, really. Yeah. Now, unless you're just not the person for the unit and they've been trying to get you out the door anyways, <laughs> right? Does that happen a lot? Like, it kind of changes and the unit's like, oh, damn it. Because you're not going to make, not all of your decisions are going to be perfect, right? No, no, absolutely. No, you're, the, every guard unit will absolutely have their odd ducks. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yes. Our unit has plenty of odd ducks. I think they are great characters to be around. Yeah. You know, because they're just a different person and they yeah. just add some flavor to the unit. Uh, whether it's good or bad, it's just different. Um, yeah. But yeah, every unit will end up with the odd duck that, you know, they, oh, they didn't really super fit in, like, oh, might have missed the notch <laughs> on this one. But most of the time, it's a clash of personality and it's not necessarily a clash on their ability to do the job. Gotcha. Um, where the unit will start to really crush someone is if like, okay, cool. We don't really link up personality wise. Like we're going to probably clash. We just don't get along in that way. But Hey man, I can trust you to still fly the line. If you don't do that part, like you just don't fit on that professional level. Now mm-hmm. you'll probably start seeing the unit come down. Hey man, orders are not coming around anymore. I can't guarantee you anything. I just, and, and, Commander is going to have to do that tough talk, if yeah. you will. Right. Yeah, but what happens? Do they like try and go to another guard unit so, or? Yeah. <laughs> as, as bad as it sounds, what the un- the guard will try to do is pass them to another unit, which sounds like, yes, so in some ways you're kicking the can down the road or you're flicking the booger off, but mm-hmm. it, they might do really well in that unit. Maybe they do have a better personality for that unit. Maybe they fit that unit better. So you can't really say you're flicking the booger because you they might actually be better in that unit just because that personality fits there. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say if that's the case, sure. right? Hey, you, he doesn't fit in here. Um, now, if you get the guy that can't perform at the job and then the unit might go to like an FEB and say like, I think we're going to find find a way to you to get you out of the unit and out of the service. I mean, can you go elsewhere? Cause like he could, the Michigan guard has what you said you have a, an AOC. Oh yeah. You have <clears throat> cyber units or two, maybe, I don't know, a cyber unit and you've got this MQ nine thing. Right. Right. So yeah. Uh, yeah. The Michigan, the state itself, you can easily send them to another part of the state. Right. So we have Selfridge, uh, another base, probably the bigger base of the what two. Was that further west? Uh, northeast Michigan. Okay. We're kind of southwest Michigan. Gotcha. Northeast Michigan, Selfridge. They fly, uh, I believe it's KC 135s and A10s. They used to have an F 16 unit. Okay. Um, uh, obviously, the large Intel unit out there. Um, and a lot of other functions over on that side of the state. Easily could send them over to do something over there. 
Uh-huh. You could send them even just in our base itself. Yeah, we've got an engineering, uh, we've got a civil engineering, we've got a cyber unit, we've got an AOC. So, hey man, you're just not surviving as a pilot. Uh, but the AOC is looking for rated officers to manage the missions, the combat lines, yeah. right? So we're going to, we got you hooked up over there and you're going to start orders with them soon, right? He could succeed, he could fail, but at that point, the guard has done like the best they could with him. Hey man, you sure. just weren't performing. We're trying to take care of you. We're going to send you over to these dudes. Um, yeah, they, I have yet to see the guard just, throw a guy high and dry like sorry bro yeah, this good is luck not working out it's time yeah. for you to be a postman yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find another job you're done uh no it's easy because it really is easier for the guard to not completely if you will feb and um discharge someone it's easier to just say hey i got a guy who's struggling with me how uh, do you need someone yeah we need a, a new guy cool i'm sending him your way hopefully he succeeds and if he doesn't, then yeah, he's just going to get moved to another spot. Yeah. Um, and, which is unfortunate for them, but maybe the Air Force just isn't a spot for them. Uh, hopefully they can find their niche. Right. But yeah, as opposed to more on active duty, right? You wash out of pilot training, FEB, and hopefully, more than likely, honestly, with how bad the manning is these days. Missiles. Yes. <laughs> right. You're going to go somewhere that. They still deem you, you know, a competent enough individual to sit in this position. Um, but if those continue to happen, yeah, you just eventually get discharged. Same way you would in, in the guard. Uh, it's the same process. Gotcha. We're going to try to move you around. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's easier in the guard just because it's quite literally a phone call. Hey, I got a guy across the street from you. He's struggling. You got days. I got days. I'm sending him to you. Give him some OJT and we'll see if he can do it. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it'll be. And we've had plenty of guys come to our unit the same way. He, they struggled in such and such position. We took them. They did pretty good. Yeah, we'll keep them around. They're decent, you know, whatever. Uh, they're a decent sensor. They're a decent intel mic, right? Whatever. Right. Um, we'll keep them around. Um, or uh, just isn't going to work, and then we'll find them something else. That is... Yeah. This all sounds insane. Um, <laughs> is there much opportunity for, like, you to, like, cross train to a different job? Like, if you're like, I'm... I'm super tired of flying the airplane. Could I go be an Intel officer? Absolutely. Super easy, actually. Um, Because, so if I wanted to do Intel, we have Intel in this unit. So if I said, hey guys, I think I'm just done for forever. No longer want to be a pilot. Um, I just would talk to my leadership. I would like to cross train and I'm already the officer. So if they say, well, we do have majors positions opened, we will send you to Intel school. I would go. Now, you, this, again, you have to have the rapport with your leadership to say that this is what you wanted. Yeah. You have to have demonstrated the competency, if you will, to that you were good at your previous job or something yeah. to that sense. be like, I'm terrible at this. I want this other, like, I want this other cool, cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't exactly work that way. I mean, they may try to help you out, but um, yeah, the intent is you're good. We'll send you out there. Uh, you want to try something different with your life. Um, more often than not... Um, going you know from you more often than not you see guys go from the uh sensor side to the pilot side or from the intel side to the pilot side not necessarily the other way around not to say that it is impossible but i have very often see we've just hired two in fact you met one of them uh 
you met both of them. Not the dusty boots. Yeah. So you yeah. met Tom, uh, Tom uh, Smallers. Thomas. Okay. Long guy? Uh, nope. That's Rankin. Damn it. Zach Rankin. Yeah. But that's okay. Uh, both are both ones an Intel uh, Nick enlisted okay. uh, senior airman I believe right. uh, and then the other one is a staff sergeant uh, sensor operator both of those guys will commission for us next year oh, no and become pilots awesome so it's very easy to do and very common in the guard yeah. uh, but again like I said normally it's a, that, that like in the Air Force's eyes, it's that forward progression, right? They're moving from an enlisted position to an officer position. They're moving from a non-rated position to a rated position or something of that sort. Yeah. Um, you don't tend to see a lot of the rated down to the non-rated positions. Okay. Not impossible, though. Sure. I mean, that's just yeah. like rated culture. Correct. Right? It's a culture thing, I right? Just, but why you would could, I want to do that? <laughs> right. But you could. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Interesting. Um and then obviously there's TDYs and stuff because like you're out. Are you out here TDY? Out here TDY. I've actually been TDY for the last month and a half. Okay, here at Holloman. Uh, Holloman for about uh, for about three weeks, and uh-huh. then before that I was out in uh, Hawaii for the setup of Rimpack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, so you're here flying in, in support of Rimpack, uh, yep. Rim of the Pacific 2022, like thirty something countries and yeah, Air Forces and Navies. It's primarily a Navy thing, but you know Air Forces participate yeah right? um yeah absolutely how's it going uh well there's a lot of like bebop uh, around and flying circles there is a lot of bebop and right uh and it's uh your standard challenges that you get when you're working with any joint international mission set right we have one joint partners so we already butt heads because we can't talk at the same language somehow we have not mastered the ability what to communicate yeah. about? right yeah. so the joint level is just miserably difficult to just talk amongst joint partners uh-huh. same country but we somehow still can't communicate clearly and now you multiply that by 10 because now we also have the language barrier uh-huh. um for the international partners um so in a tremendous learning experience for any of the air crew that are checking in with a ship that is being uh, operated by the Singapore Navy. Yeah. Right? Like whole new learning experience for <laughs> me. I thought you were going to say holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was that too, but no. I, and it was so an incredible learning experience. Lots of weird challenges, primary being communication. Yeah. The infrastructure here, nothing against Holloman. I think the infrastructure here at Holloman was uh, another unfortunate limb fact. Um, and Magic did a fantastic job of making it work. Yeah. Um, but the limited zipper connectivity made it very challenging to set up the networks, the background networks, like centrics and stuff. Yeah. To, to have this communication, uh, this easy, easy communication across the board. Um, so yeah, kudos to magic because he did make it work. Um, but that was a huge hindrance, um, on the ability to easily communicate across the net. Yeah to facilitate mission taskings or even just execution-based information data uh, across the, the board. So a lot of that is like just tied to the fact that in 2020, we started doing this Agile Combat Employment yes. stuff uh, yes. because nobody else had the bandwidth or all of the resources they needed in one spot to just make it happen. Correct. And Holloman was able to load some shit on a truck, go to California, right. and ta-da, I just set up a new 
yes. LRE and we can fly over the water. So we Correct. kind of continued carrying that. Right. Next year, it's not happening. The new wing commander is like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> so it's already gone. <laughs> Darn it. That's so too bad. you've already committed to this. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll keep doing it this year, but uh, don't expect it next year. Because participating in these sorts of exercises is not an AETC gig. That is really Air Combat Command and others, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, that's and valid. They keep saying, "Well, we want to be in it and participate." Yes. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Get your shit together and make it happen. Then. Yes. So, I, yeah, I can see that. I mean, AETC's mission is certainly not the um, in the agile realm. Um, so, I can definitely see that. I can see. I, I can't see why ACC hasn't put more forth. Into it, but. it's man, manpower, and they've got yeah. combat lines, and they got three shifts to run, and all this. Like, they're maxed out. Hallman is seen as the place that can has Squeeze the a little more off. out, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and it has its problems, uh, yeah, due to zipper connectivity is not a huge thing here at Hallman, right? Right, uh, right, etc. But we we kind of make it go, yeah, um, to our detriment, usually. Mm-hmm. So, but no, but I've got two guys out in Hawaii right now that just. They've yeah. been there for, they're going to be, have, they will have been there for two months. <laughs> oh, for uh, launching airplanes yes. and hanging out. They spent three weeks with no airplanes. Yep. Like, oh, dude, this is the TDY of your lifetime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and exactly the, um, the bigger picture of RIMPAC is building up those partnerships. So I think what Holloman really gained, well, everyone really gained from this is, how often has the guard, the reserve, and the active duty come together to execute daily combat, in yep. quote, missions, like on the same combat line? I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, very much a total yeah. force integration going right. on here. Right it was, right? Uh, so that was probably the biggest highlight of this entire thing is not only did we get international joint, but we got inter inter-service, if you will, agreements that allowed guard reserve and active to fly the same combat line together and work in conjunction to fulfill a single mission set so really really cool um in the background all that cool stuff happened there the mission sets were nothing to write home about we Um, got to shoot some boats we did i saw some cool video of that uh yeah i wish i could have won the fight and gotten the weapons that i had asked for but uh that was another yeah i hear the quebec variants or whatever uh not not doing too hot. No, we were having some guidance issues. Um, Stomp's doing his best to get to the bottom yeah. of those. But yeah, we definitely had some no guides. I think all, all um, the Romeo 2s hit though, right? R2s, yep, trusty R2s. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel bad for uh, the active on that one. The guard may have taken all but like <laughs> one of the active uh, hellfire shots yeah uh, so i didn't realize it until after the fact that it was like oh man the guard took all the live hellfires and the active took i think maybe one of the live hellfires yeah. so most of the active ones because of some challenges we had with the q6s didn't guide and were less than effective or a less than effective demonstration yeah um but uh yeah so we, we had a lot of uh well, hey man the navy shot some yeah, exoset missile or some other missile that was in an inert and it just like yeah. plink. Yeah, <laughs> went right into it and that was the end of it. Yeah, there was a lot of great demonstrations that we were supposed to see there that um, didn't end up working out. Um, so that was a little disappointing. But I think overall, everyone was really happy to see that integration. Um, the understanding I was given uh, yesterday, yesterday, 
the SIFMIC for the exercise was very happy with the, uh, what the MQ9 can provide. Yeah, like um, sweet FMV that fed 30-something countries that they could watch whatever exactly. they wanted, right? Yeah, so that was definitely, that was the highlight. Everybody loved the FMV. Uh, so we got a bunch of countries now that are scratching their heads as to whether or not the MQ9 is, is a gizmo that they want to uh, make a purchase on. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame them. I think that the, it is a very capable airframe for a wide variety of mission sets. Uh, we do have a small impact that uh, we have an impact that we can make in the maritime environment. There's a lot of challenges we face with it, sure. but um, I think our ability to communicate with, to provide a relay and to communicate actively with a sh um, any surface vessel and use our SAR and um, our FMV to its max extent possible, we can do a lot of great stuff for the navy um and hopefully we can further that with connect link 16 connectivity things like that where we can really get into the next level of communication right. with them but uh we weren't really able to demonstrate that here this year uh hopefully we can continue to develop try to make that work there was yeah. some uh, uh, limitation on magic it, side that had some funding issues and it was all kinds of goofy yes shit. it was very dumb my understanding is it became a we got red taped and we didn't have time to clear the red tape out was, was what happened. Um, not the end of the world. We still demonstrated plenty of stuff. Uh, it was an overall, a pretty big success. Uh, I consider my biggest part of it, the, the sync X portion, uh, a bit more of a failure, but I had way higher expectations on what we were going to bring to that fight. And we ended up with, not even a percentage of what I was hoping yeah, yeah. to bring. So um, I think we definitely could have demonstrated more capability in that realm. Yeah. Um, we didn't bring any bombs, right? No. Okay. No. It would cost $2 million to ship a single GBU. Why? Because it's, some, a it's something to do <laughs> with how the bombs are assembled yeah, and where they have to come from during that assembly. Oh my so goodness. it was like the parts were strewn about the United States. So for yeah. them to do that, we had to send all these parts from across the, all over the United States to California, from California across the Pacific, and it was just like this enormous cost. Yeah, which to it cannot cost my that fault. much to move one bomb into yeah. like absolute, now the right? advantage is right. <laughs> we could it, it does it it's. Um, it's a logarithmic growth, right? So it's really expensive to get one, but yeah. as you get more, the cost starts to gotcha. plateau. But yes, essentially for us to do that, we initially needed to fork out at a minimum of like $2 million. Yeah. And it was like, we, yeah, did, we didn't have that, that money yeah. that short of time. Now, again, to my fault, uh, I didn't understand the coordination needed to start moving munitions. I kind of thought this was super easy. Like I fell out a form and then the bombs are there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've never had to deal hey, with. I said I need bombs. Uh, yeah. There's like a whole bureaucracy yeah. that manages this, right? Yeah. Okay, excellent. So I thought it was just a matter of speaking to, um, uh, what's the term? Uh, basically, um, Logistics? A, no, Am, ammo weapons guys. Okay. Uh, we have some in Michigan. So I reached out to those guys, assumed that I was doing it correctly. Um, they did their side correctly and assumed that I was doing the other side, but I didn't know there was another side. <laughs> so, you know, uh, California did it, it did their best to clean up what I had let 
fall behind because yeah. I didn't didn't know what needed to happen. Uh, and they did a good job of making up for it. And we basically used our guard mafia to get weapons there because we were about to have none. Uh, we got... Did all the weapons come from the guard? Yeah, these were all guard munitions. Okay. So we... All the Q6s that were fired were... Um, most of them were Syracuse's. Okay. Uh, the lives, I think, were all marches or maybe March in Michigan or something of the sort. Yeah. But those lives were a smattering of other units that have lives. And then Syracuse provided, I think, all the, all the Q6s. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. Uh, and it was basically, we just made phone calls. Hey, are you going to be using your Q6s this year? Which is normally no, because there's only a handful of ranges right. where you can actually shoot them. And it's very difficult to get out there, get an MK9 out there to shoot them. So most of the time, these Q6s just go without being shot each year per yeah. the allotment. And so they're like, oh, no, we're going to use them. So you can you can have them. So we essentially Having just... a secret head baking in the sun, dry rotting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally fine. You know, somebody's <laughs> kicking off all the... <laughs> yes, exactly. So we packed those up. And actually, we used, again, to keep it cheap, uh, we contacted the New York C-130 unit. Uh, guard unit and we said hey you guys looking for a cool trip yeah you guys want to go to hawaii and they're like yeah we could do a hawaii trip cool uh we got some hellfires we need you to pick up they're sitting at syracuse throw them in the plane fly over here we got a rental car ready for you you guys just get off the plane it's all yours so that's that's how we made it happen so again an advantage in that this was all executed three days prior to the start of the exercise. Oh, dude, we'd have to go to exactly TACC Scott Air Force Base. Exactly. Going to have to like prioritize all right. of this airlift. Today. Exactly, your thing doesn't make the list. Correct. You know. And that's what we ended up getting into, and why all these Ugh. things got held up, held up, held up. And then it was just like, okay, we need weapons there. I know a California C one thirty guy. Let's give him a call. Hey, man, you guys looking for sorties? Yeah, we got a couple sorties. Okay, cool. Uh, I got this cool one to to move Hellfires to Hawaii. You could stay in Hawaii for like three days. You in? yes yeah yeah, we'll be there uh and that's how and so the guard does do a lot of really it's not the it's not favored amongst some guard leadership to play that game if you will but i mean i'm i love it i think it's an amazing way of getting business done is if you will bypassing all the red tape and just saying hey man you got to do sorties right okay cool do some of your sorties involve carrying uh you know your load masters yeah Great. I've got some stuff for your loadmasters. I got you doing a, you know, a mission. I got has cargo. I mean, I got all the things. I got a bunch of boxes you can check. Yeah. You call it training. I call it getting job done. Right. And we both win. Yeah, there's a total bro level network right. that can that can occur and kind of cut through some yes. of the bullshit that a large bureaucrat much more bureaucratic organization like active duty is correct has to jump to all these other hoops because they're federal. They're this yes. a whole weird thing. So yeah. So there's advantages to it. Now, disadvantages as well is that if something goes wrong, then everyone's kind of paying for this because it's like, why didn't this go through these channels? Why didn't we get approval for this? Why didn't this? So there's a lot more questions to answer if things don't go smoothly. So risk is involved in it, but generally speaking, um, you know, the Air Force generally has very successful missions. So you're yeah. looking at a, a you're looking at an increased risk, but a risk that in most cases I have found beneficial for the unit. Uh, or really the enterprise. Dude, that's uh guard sounds <laughs> yeah. 
kind of awesome. This is the most I've ever talked about the guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I briefly played around with like getting scrolled and having like to get into the reserves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to just transition to the 429th and be like, I'm done with active duty. Changed my mind on that. I applied to the California guard, which was literally just like go to a website, submit an application. Yep. And then a bro was talking to the people who are going to do the hiring and yep. I got onto this interview board. Correct. Um, that was pretty quick and easy. Uh, but beyond that, like all these other <laughs> acronyms we've discussed and all the other little like tricks and magic yeah. that can happen is yeah. uh, truly, I think the guards, one of the ways that the uh, active duty is flustered by that and they want to do it and they want to like consider it. Yeah. But they just get bogged down in the, in the acronym soup and the the need to like, I you, you essentially, it seems to me, have to know somebody in the unit. If you don't, you're, there's not much of a way that you're going to like yeah. integrate yourself there. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's certainly much more of a challenge. Yeah. Um, but the guard, you know, it's its own family in its unit, but it is also it's a, a mafia. The whole family yeah. is also there, right? So if you don't know a guard guy in that unit, but you know a guard guy in that unit, talk to that that guard guy, and he will know a guy in the other guard unit. So as long as you There's know a little bit of like vouching and be yeah like, exactly yeah. it literally is that right. There's already two guys that I I met out here uh, here at Holloman that were interested in the guard and they're like oh but I would really like to be in you know Tennessee and it was like I know a lot of great people at the Tennessee Guard yeah I'll get you their number right I can't promise you anything right but I at least can get you a number to a guy in the guard yeah of course um, so yeah you might not know the guy. And, but I wouldn't call it all lost if you don't know a guy in the guard unit you want. Just find a guard guy, and uh, they'll get you that guard guy. <laughs> yeah, because you, you're like all out here, like representing and like all kind of like recruiting, kind yes. of keeping your eyes peeled. To you do you? That is another guard thing. Is we're always trying to find good guys. I mean, if you know there's a guy that you've been hanging out with one year on a TDY, and you're like, man, this guy would be super fun to fly with us. Hey, you want to you wanna fly for the guard? Because yeah. I got a job for you. Uh, you're always doing <laughs> it. It reminds me of the, uh, the guy at the uh, grocery store I met maybe a couple months ago who was like, oh, you're in the... You're in the Air Force, what do you do? This and that, and blah, 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 blah. Hey, do you want to come to come to my church? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, we are a little bit, yes, we can become that. Especially some guys, they'll really like, dude, we have to have you. We have to have you. Yeah. They'll harp on it pretty pretty heavy. Um, it's usually the older crowd uh, in the guard, like the the, the old, old guard guys, if you will, because they really find the value in finding the right person. Yeah, of course. Right? And so if they see that person, they are going to be all in. Like, yeah. you have to be here. With I me. want you yes. here. Like, Get you have here. to be here. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of that. Um, they they really will dive into that um, pretty, <laughs> they'll be pretty uh, headstrong about it. And uh, to the point of being the annoying guy, like, hey, you got to come to church with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. <laughs> dude, the unit's having a get together. Yeah. Dude, you got to come out. Come be, on. You got to be there. You got to be there. Oh, yes, God. yes, yes. God, dude, I, uh, I know. I know. I know. Um, um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a completely different mentality than, mm-hmm. than this. And I think there's some value in like having a bit more say and control over that. Cause like on act duty, I just get whoever 
if Air Force Personnel Center <sighs> says, uh, this is your guy. Right. Like, okay, I'll do what I can. He's a, yeah. You know, um, and you try to build this culture and this like, yeah, this sense of team and unity inside of an active duty unit. It's mm -hmm. so much harder because um, there's no history. Like everybody's constantly coming and going. It's, yes. The continuity is a, is a, an, unfor an unfortunate byproduct of the active duty is a lack of continuity. The guard doesn't have that problem. In yeah. fact, sometimes you have so much continuity, you have the opposite that it's like you want to change one thing and everyone's like, no, you ain't changing that. Yeah, that ain't happening. We've, we've done, this right? is the way we've been doing this it. Is this is the way it is. Be done. Yeah. So you can, you can run into the opposite problem. You're going to have to do some more selling. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where you really got to sell that change before it's going to happen. Um, but we, we completely like that over here. It's like every, every two years we're, oh, we're new syllabus every six scope. months. Yeah. God, dude, <laughs> we figured this out. Students over in the squadron, students back in this, this the 16th. So no, we're going to do it this way. And you're going to show up. We're going to have weekends on Monday, Sunday and Monday or Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, it's like, oh, we're doing a waterfall schedule. We're doing like, everything is constantly changing and it's fucking annoying. Yeah. I got to Yes. Um, the, the guard definitely doesn't deal with that as much. They, yeah. they, they have their ways. Um, again, a good, so the, the, it's the old guard. They're set in their ways. A uh, lot of history behind all the guard units, lots of history in all the guard units. Sure. Um, so my unit generally about most of them are a 10 guys. The, the senior dudes are all a 10 guys. Um, so a high amount of respect for the, the cast based mission sets, scars, uh, excuse me, CSAR mission sets. They're all yeah. about that. Um, which brings in a, a huge breadth of knowledge that you just don't see in a lot of the MK9 communities um, is, is that other way of looking at CAS or the other way of looking at CSAR. Um, so that's some advantage as well um, to the unit. And then the Guard tends to also hire outside of just the Air Force. Uh, we have three to four Marines at least, uh, probably a half a dozen Navy uh, F-18 uh, P3, P8. Yeah, uh, you're hiring all kinds of people. Everywhere. Yeah. So you end up with, yeah, this culmination of crazy amount of experience in all things that you didn't even know about. Uh, and a lot of people can ask questions too, like if you're right. doing some weird weird so, thing. And right? it goes to that, like, that joint talk, right? You might not speak Marine, yeah. but, oh, dude, I'll just get Piddle. He's, you know, he flew Marines for 10 years, flew helos for him like piddle come into work today i we got some weird joint thing i don't know what they're talking about and he'll just come into work and be like oh this is this, this is and he'll just yeah. edu educate you on like nah this is marine speak man <laughs> first you have to start with crayons <laughs> eat them yeah. and then you'll get it <laughs> so yeah it, it's it's uh it's really interesting the way the units are developed um and, and built more so that the culture is founded on your diversity in some ways and I think on active duty, your culture is defined on, we all came from the same place. Uh, we all started at Holloman. We all yeah. started here. We went through this. We've all seen the same thing. So the culture is developed that way. And then the guard, the culture is developed on like, the unit's been doing this mission set forever. And we've just pulled in people from everywhere to be experts at it. Um, so yeah, different culture set in that regard. I think a lot of people would like that more than uh, active duty, but it's, mm -hmm. like I said, it's yeah, it's, um, it's not esoteric. It's not the word I'm looking for, but it's mm -hmm. it's uh, 
we'll just, it, it's harder yeah. to understand what's going on and you want to, you would have yeah. to put in some time to, I mean, we've been talking for almost two hours here, right? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. So, yeah. And I'm still like, okay, I, I need some notes, yeah. uh, <laughs> which yeah. we would do. Um, would you say that you, would you, aside from the fact that it keeps you closer to your family, do you prefer the guard? I do. Um, yeah. I, I definitely do. It was an incredible decision that I made that I went guard, made this leap of faith, if you will, like, hey, they said they're going to pay me for 180 days and I hope it keeps going. Yeah. Um, great community and a mission set that is just as exciting as the active duty mission sets. Yeah. So I was afraid that I was going to go to like this, oh, it's going to be boring. They're probably not going to fly <laughs> a lot. Like, and I came here and I was like, we're doing the same mission sets that we're doing on active duty. We're in the same stack as these guys, yeah. you know, so nothing changed there. I still get, I still get the, the same bonus everybody else gets. I'm just an active duty guy that's hanging out closer to my family. Yeah. So it's like, this is a win for me. I got all this extra stuff. Um, in addition to doing what I enjoyed on active duty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I would say that the guard isn't for everyone, um, but for anyone that's trying to get closer to family, cl closer to home, uh, medical things like uh, um, EFMP, am I saying yeah, that correctly? Right, family, family member, member program. program, right? Most of the guard units fall in a very well-developed area where EFMP is easy yeah. because yeah, you're in Mem you're in Tennessee, Nashville area, right? Detroit, like, right, like Detroit or whatever. Chicago or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So EFMP is great for that. So if you're really struggling to find assignments like, oh man, all I can be is Creech. That's it. Whatever it is, I'm stuck at Creech because of EFMP. Whatever it could be, yeah. like the guard's a great option for you. Um, there's actually guys that joined our unit specifically because they had a you know extended family member that was very very ill and they just wanted to be closer to them to help them for years and so they quite literally joined the unit to be closer to that extended family member for four years and then after that they're like hey you know it's easier for my family to go back to uh, California okay sounds great and they went back to California that was the end of it but they joined the guard and the guard now you're a guard family you just go wherever the guard suits you best um so that's the other advantage to it as well as i mean if michigan doesn't work for me anymore which you know unfortunately it doesn't in that regard it doesn't fit my outside of work life great well there's places we'll find for you down in florida nobody cares nobody's upset that we're they're losing me nobody because it's just this is what you're here for this yeah. is what you value this is it's respected amongst the the community in that regard that sounds yeah. really awesome. I wish it wasn't it like approaching 15 years and <laughs> it's much easier to just. Ah, yeah, you're already, you're so, yeah, your, your tracks are well established. And well, you also have the advantage too, in that the career you've, you know, you and uh, many of other peers uh, along with you have a very good track record with the MQ9 community yeah. so that leaving it, and going to the guard wouldn't be any different than just staying on the tracks. Yeah. Right. Cause if you were to come to the guard right now, 
the guard's going to be like, cool. So like in two years, you're our squadron commander. So yeah. just so you know, like, <laughs> hey, I know you came here and you wanted to kind of relax, but congratulations, yeah, uh, you're about to be our squadron commander, right? Oof. That's yeah. just the way it would end up being. You've got an enormous amount of experience and, and the personality that comes with it that that's where you'd end up, which is essentially what you'd be doing on active duty. Yeah. So, so what's the point? Just stay yeah, on track. Yeah. 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 Unless you're trying to get to a specific place when you retire. <sighs> just stay on track, man. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah. Just be done. And then maybe yeah. you'll make your own decisions after the fact. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, um, we are, pro- we didn't talk about bonuses. You mentioned them. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of pilots do care about that, but we are approaching my <laughs> drop dead time. Correct. So I understand. Um, I can make it brief. Yeah. Go. Same exact bonus. Yep. You, you can get the exact same bonus as long as you're an AGR. If you're not, and you're a part-time guy, you get half bonus so as opposed to what is it 35 right now uh, 30 uh, i think it was yeah 30 30 yeah uh you can get 15 and all you have to do is be in the guard you don't even have to take orders you yeah. just be in the guard oh, no shit and as long as you don't have an active duty service commitment gotcha. so soon as just like on active duty it's the same thing except you can either get the half one which just basically says i'm in the guard you don't even have to work in the guard you just have to be <laughs> in the guard and then you collect it okay. um or the active one as an AGR. Yeah. I'm on AGR. I'm basically active duty. I get the exact same. But they're bonus. both paid at the end of the year. They're paid at the end. So they're slightly different in that. Yeah. yeah. But same thing, four years. You can do a two year or four year um, in the guard. Two years in the Gotcha. Dude, this is, uh, I think, the longest you and I have ever like sat down and I know, chatted, man. Like, well, I think we may have had longer conversations, oh. but we were intoxicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really glad we were able to make this happen. I yeah, think uh, a lot of people are going to gain a lot of information out of this, I hope so. this discussion mm-hmm. and uh, not be so like overwhelmed, so overwhelmed yeah. right, of uh, trying to make the transition from active duty to guard. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming. Uh, you're headed home, I think, tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow yeah. morning. So uh, I also don't have much of a closer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I didn't prep you for this, so uh, I will take us out. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, I don't know keep listening uh, find us on Twitter if you want um, Lost Link Podcast there you can also hit us up at uh, lostlink.co uh, where you can provide some feedback and if uh, McFly here got some of those numbers wrong I want to know about it alright uh, thanks everybody see ya Don't know where